Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Fitness Roundtable. My name is Dion, and I'm joined here today with Phil and Andrew. But we also have a special guest today. His name is Ethan, and he is a marathon runner. Today, we will be discussing integrating strength training into endurance and training for marathons. So we have the perfect episode for our boy Miller over here. So let's get this moving. But as we do in all of our episodes, we talk about what we did for the week. So Andrew, kick us off, man. How's your week been? It's going good, dude. Trying to find a new job because my seasonal work is ending and still, well, actually not. I moved into a new spot, moved into a new apartment. So that's cool. Also, like 10 minutes away. But other than that, still lifting and eating and doing all the good stuff. Sitting at, I think, 228 right now. So eight pounds off my competition weight and that'll be easy peasy to drop. So yeah, we're about to fucking crush it. Yeah, that's it. That's how my week's been. <laughs> this man always is in a new place every episode. And just like, yeah, I moved to a new spot, eating mad food, just enjoying life. That's how it is. <laughs> my big <laughs> money goes to rat and food. That's it. Big life out here. Everyone's like, everyone's going to listen to our podcast and just want to live your life. Like, I want to just eat food and live in random places. Like, <laughs> you can. <laughs> yeah, and you can. <laughs> that's awesome. Phil, how's your week been, boss? Uh, pretty good, but uh, I'm still I've I've been stuck at home even more days. Uh, I went in again uh, Monday to get another test through my work, and it came up negative again. And uh, my my partner went in on on Monday as well, and we got her results immediately. But my results didn't come in until today. So I had to wait two more days. So I've had to take like two and a half weeks off work. And uh, it's fantastic because my they're going to like pay me back for some of the testing costs. And I'm still getting paid for that time I wasn't able to work. I would much rather a business be safe and say, you know, we'll pay you, stay home, be safe than any other option. But basically because of that, it's been pretty boring. Uh, I... I haven't even like cooked anything good recently. <laughs> I made like tacos the other night, but that's about it. Uh, just hanging out at home, uh, you know, hitting the hitting the gym, going for some runs. Nothing too exciting. The standard. Yeah. God, yo, my week is gonna sound reckless compared to y'all's. <clears throat> like, so this week I had a magic tournament that I played in. Um, I did really well the first day, and then. I really did bad the second day, so I sucked hard, and I was not happy with that. Um, I got a birthday massage, so you know my birthday was the first, and got a got a nice massage for that. And I feel bad because every time I go to this place, um, it's right next to a Taco Bell, so it's the only time I I eat Taco Bell in like the month. So I got a cheesy gordita crunch, and then the new like cheddar uh, chalupa. And I feel terrible because being a trainer, I'm like, yo, I always eat so bad this one day, but I give myself that option, you know. Um, and pretty much just been hustling on like watching anime, uh, training, and trying to set up my website still. It's like so much work 
goes into random stupid things that you don't really have to do. But, um, you know, like we were talking about before the podcast, like New Year's is the 30, 20 days away, something like that. Like mm-hmm. it's so close. And the first is always like a big day for trainers, but is it going to be the same thing now with COVID? You know, like, is it as important? Like all these new year's resolutions are going to be, I want to just go outside and breathe air. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not going to be anymore. Like, Oh, I want to lose some weight. It's like, I just want to be outside. Like I'll be happy to, to do <laughs> anything. So that was kind of my week. Nothing crazy except for magic and, and training, like the standard. So bones. What have you been up to, man? What's your week been like? Yeah, just uh, trying to finish up the year strong. We got, obviously, the holidays are coming up, so we're tentatively, you know, trying to work in some holiday travel, you know, safely with all the rules and regulations. And, you know, it's kind of weird and stressful with, you know, everybody's got their different, you know, levels of comfort of, you know, oh, you've been around all these people and now we don't want to be around you. So trying to navigate through that, but yet still, you know, we're living so far away from friends and family that it's like, you know, kind of want to get to see people that we haven't in a while. But so trying to, you know, make that work and, you know, finish up at work for uh, 2020 on a on a positive note. And, you know, been running outside pretty much every day. I go five days a week. So just hey. trying to... uh yeah, trying to keep up with that and not go insane with 2020 being what it is. So that's that's the goal. <laughs> now, did you just start up the running this this week? Um, so I'm on week eight of my training program uh, that I've followed in the past, but kind of sticking to a little more uh, religiously this time around. So starting to see a little bit more results and feel a little bit better about it. Did you write that yourself or do you follow that online? No, I have a, a program online. There's like different skill levels and uh, like an intermediate novice. I've been doing the intermediate plan and I used to always go on the treadmill and I've been starting to run outside a little bit more just because that's, you know, feel a bit more comfortable than having a bunch of <clears throat> old people in our building, like walking on the treadmill three inches away from me. So <laughs> uh, that's been a big adjustment, but I think I actually enjoy being outside more than I expected to. So savage savage i like that so andrew i'm gonna put you to the test right now what flavor kombucha am i drinking uh trilogy how the hell did you know that that's not even <laughs> on the that was on the back side with the label how'd you i'm done i drink a lot of kombucha. <laughs> god damn it this guy always knows it so yeah see that's not even a flavor either bro that's like <laughs> <Yeah. though. laughs> Expert I like, level. I was like, I got him this time. It was just like a random color assortment of colors, <laughs> and like I'm not even gonna show him the front. It's just gonna be the label. One of these days, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna go like to the heart of like South Africa and get a kombucha that's only made in in a specific village or something that no yeah, one. I haven't, I haven't had a kombucha in a while, man. I'm I'm probably out of a uh, out of touch, man. I gotta look over at the eye a couple times so I don't get caught off guard. Um, so. Andrew really said that he hasn't had a kombucha in like 45 minutes. So our sponsors don't not sponsor us. Andrew, (laughs) don't do this to us. We need this sponsor. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. That's funny. Um, So yeah, that kind of gets us moving in. So Ethan is our special guest this week and he's done a bunch of stuff for marathons. 
Um, like you heard, he started up a program again. So, Ethan, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, let us know who you are. Let our viewers know who you are. Um, I would say viewers, but our listeners know who you are. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, yeah, uh, my name is Ethan Miller. I uh, went to school, uh, high school with Dion and Andrew. So that's kind of how we knew each other and how I ended up on the show here. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. I'm looking forward to the next uh, hour or so. Um, yeah, growing up, you know, always used to be playing sports. I mean, until I was 18, that was, you know, a big chunk of my life. And once I graduated, you know, kind of missing out on that, you know, competitive spirit and you know getting to play and compete against other people um but my journey towards running marathons actually kind of started with a tragedy um my stepmom passed away of ovarian cancer and uh, my dad had always been like a big marathon runner so um kind of toward the last moments of her life i, I don't know why uh, she's from new england so i kind of just came up with the idea like i'm gonna run the boston marathon you know, to honor your life. And it, it took a couple of years before I really, um, you know, dedicated myself to training and, you know, put myself, you know, all in to, to fulfilling that promise. But uh, I believe it was 2017, I ran Boston. And, you know, I, again, I don't know why that was what popped in my head, but maybe to just kind of get closer to my dad and, you know, have that connection. He ran Boston I think like 2013 or, you know, a couple years prior. So, um, yeah, after that, I just kind of, you know, wanted to keep setting the bar a little bit higher. And once I learned about the, uh, the six world marathon majors, you know, it was an easy choice to spend the next couple of years pursuing that. Um, the six majors are New York, Boston, Chicago, Tokyo, Berlin, and London. And I completed those in three years. And now, you know, kind of let myself get out of shape for, you know, six to eight months. And now we're back at it again. So, dude, that's so cool. How's Tokyo? It was really cool. It, I struggle to kind of pick my favorites, but I mean, I overall, like, yeah, that's usually, you know, the first question people have. And, you know, I like to compare it to, you know, all six are like, you know, my six children. It's like you can't really, you know, each one's got their you know, this one's bad in school or, you know, you, pros and cons of each. But um, yeah, I mean, the trips themselves, it, it's kind of funny. Like, I remember, you know, we'll usually go five days and spend like four, like three or four before the race and one or two after. And I always ask myself, I'm like, why can't I just be a normal person that just goes on a vacation? Like, why do I have to torture myself with 26 miles? But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, very fulfilling to, you know, you set out, you spend all that time training in the gym, you know, blood, sweat and tears on the treadmill or out in the pavement or whatever. And, you know, to finally see that come to fruition, crossing that finish line. I mean, you can't beat that feeling. That's cool. Which one do you have? Like a, the hardest race? Which one was the hardest? I think probably Boston, like just because of the hill at the end and, you know, like I said, I, I trained mostly on the treadmill um, when I first started off. So really did not prepare myself for the elevation at all. So, you know, getting uh, it's Boston is famous for Heartbreak Hill, which is, you know, it's it's not really like this monstrosity of a hill, but it's, you know, you've been running for 20 some odd miles and that's steady elevation. It really, 
kicks your ass a little bit. And I was wholly unprepared. I actually, um, my dad and everybody were, um, they were there kind of in the supporter section, like maybe a half mile before the hill. So I was all amped up and ready to rock. And I kind of, you know, wasted a lot of energy, you know, being excited to see them. And that came back to bite me big time. So yeah, I think, you know, I had each race had its own unique challenges and, you know, it's definitely no walk in the park, but I think Boston definitely, definitely kicked my ass a little bit more than the others. <laughs> That's funny. Now, was Boston the first one you ran? In the- yeah, so I did Boston and Chicago first. Um, I think Berlin was third, right? Yeah, and then <laughs> Tokyo, London, and then New York finished off with uh, friends and family in attendance and a nice little uh, wedding proposal at the end, too. So that was uh, <laughs> it definitely earned me some brownie points with you know, my fiance, Kelly, um, all her family was there and, you know, my friends and family as well. So yeah, it was definitely, uh, definitely a great, great day. And a lot of just relief because, you know, there's a lot of stress and anxiety leading up to the marathon, even though, you know, you spend six months training, but to have that in the back of your head (laughs) while you're spending four hours out on the road, it definitely complicates things a little bit, but it definitely just, uh, weight lifted off my shoulders when that day was done and to get to celebrate you know in person with everybody it was just it was an awesome day so that's i was like thinking about that when you when you said that uh like if, did it get did you feel like it got easier as you went through like was the last race you ran the easiest because you were used to training for it or was the first one harder in your opinion because you trained like did you train less for the first or did your training kind of change based upon which race you were going to run? Yeah, I think the reality is they just all sucked no matter what. <laughs> I mean, I, there was always that voice in the back of my head telling me like, oh, you're not prepared for this. Like, you know, you didn't do enough. You should have done more, you know, run outside, more hills, more, you know, strength training. Like there was always that doubt in the back of my head. It And it never really seemed to go away, you know first time, second time, sixth time, didn't matter. Like I kind of always had that self-doubt and second guessing. And I think that that would be one of the things that I would say to people, you know, is I think people are definitely a lot, you know, more capable than they give themselves credit for. And, you know, I wish it didn't take me six marathons around the world to learn that lesson, but I'm sure if I run another one, I'll still have that, that same feeling and that same voice in the back of my head. So you've done six marathons and they've all been those marathons. Yep. So I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what I'm training for and what's next. I, I always, you know, like I said, try to raise the bar and try to do something, you know, to push the envelope a little bit more. So I'm not sure what that is next. You know, do an maybe, ultra, bro. Do a yeah, maybe, maybe an Ironman ultra. I don't know, but I got nothing but time on my hands now with, you know, being stuck inside all day. So and now's as good a time as any to, you know, figure that out and get back to the drawing board. So I just wanted to th- throw this out there because you guys are speaking in straight up like fitness terms, like do an ultra bro uh, <laughs> to everyone who doesn't know what a marathon is. A marathon is 26.2 miles. Um, just to put that into perspective for you. Uh, 
And how far is an ultra? Does I don't know how far an ultra is. Anything like anything over that? So twenty six point three would technically. That's be I mean, I doubt there's any twenty six point three mile races, but I mean, yeah, <laughs> thirty miler would be an ultra. A twenty seven miler would be an ultra. Obviously, a five hundred mile like anywhere up there is, is yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I was just like, I know there's there's a duration for most of these things. Twenty six point two miles seems like something I would never ever want to do in the entire history you know, of my life. You know, the history, like why that's the, uh, why the marathon is 26.2? Because the person died after 26.2 when they wanted to go 26.5. And I mean, actually, you're, you're technically right, bro. You're kind of, <laughs> you're kind of right, dude. <laughs> I was like trying to play games out here in these streets, but that's what, what's the history? <laughs> All right. Well, that's awesome, Bone Miller. Like, I really like that you, you like, I didn't, I didn't know that you started it up because of that reason of, you know, like in the honor. Um, but are you, are you, like you said, you don't know what you're training for right now, but do you kind of want to stick just to running or like you said, the Ironmans are a little bit different because you have to do swimming and biking, correct? Yeah. So I, um, through work, we did, uh, we have a fundraiser for um, cancer research, which is obviously a special cause to me. So um, we have all these bike races, like 50 mile, uh, 100 mile. So I ended up doing the 100 mile in February. Um, so I feel like the, the Ironman is kind of the next logical step in my athletic journey, I guess. But I don't know, trying to find the time to piece all those things together. I mean, I'm not especially strong swimmer, but I feel like I can kind of gut out the, you know, bike part. And obviously they're, the running probably come natural to me, but I don't know. I, at this point, I think for me, you know, running is more of almost like more of a mental health thing than a, a physical health thing where it's like just getting outside getting, getting away from the computer for a little bit and, you know, getting to reset and, you know, put the day's thoughts, you know, into context and just have that moment to myself for 30 to 60 minutes every day. Like that's been very important given the circumstances of everything going on. So I think, I think the idea initially was just, you know, when marathons come back, like be ready and, you know, you'll be the first to jump in and not be wasting any of this time for the last couple of months. But I think the reality is like my program would end in February and I don't see any, you know, marathons or any big races on the horizon anytime soon. So I think at this point it's kind of just wait and see, you know, what's out there and uh, just in the meantime, just get out and, and get it done. Yeah. So I was going to say, Phil, how do you feel about that? Cause you were training, right? For, was it a marathon or was it a, what, what were you training uh, for before? So in the spring, I was training for a marathon before everything started getting canceled, uh, and I was going to do the, the Queen's Marathon, uh, but then everything was canceled, so I decided to train for and like try to go a best time in a, a mile and then a 5K, and the miles went really well, but the 5K did not. Um, and then in this fall, since I knew I wasn't going to be doing any official races, I picked some like more simple distances uh and i raced or i time trialed i guess uh 10k and a 15k just to see like you know to have something to aim for uh and 
uh, I liked doing some shorter distance stuff. Uh, so I'm not sure even if races do come back that I'm going to be doing a marathon already again, uh, not having to like plan a, you know, two to four hour run on the weekends was kind of nice. Now, what do you think about the, like the virtual races, like, you know, run out with your phone and go run a 15 K and they mail you a shirt. Like, is that something that interests you or you just. My, so my thing about like me personally doing them is that I've got so many shirts from races (laughs) over the years and I've got like a basket full of medals uh, in my bedroom because I haven't like figured out a way to display them properly but it's just every single race gives out a shirt and a medal and during this time to like do a run on my own and then get another shirt or medal just feels like a like a waste like I don't I don't need more shirts and medals like the thing that I want out of a race is the experience of like having done it where no matter where I do it uh, to like you know be in the middle of like you know whatever distance race and to be like looking around or enjoying the scenery or the city or whatever it is and just getting a shirt for like running around my neighborhood doesn't feel the same you know yeah i definitely agree with that but it's been interesting to just think about i mean of all the places i've been you know all the fans you know coming to support their runners and you know, all the um, the expos, just shoulder to shoulder people all the time, and they're all buying stuff. And just to think about the, you know, business implications that COVID has had on the running community and just what they're trying to do to, you know, get people like us back in the fold, even with everything going on, it's interesting. But, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely agree with everything you said. Like, I, I can just go out and run a couple of miles and I don't really need you know, a shirt or whatever, just to say that I did it. So yeah, it's, I think it's going to be tough until the actual races start coming back to get people kind of interested in forking up their hard earned cash (laughs) in these times. So I have a buddy that I work with who's a cyclist and he's been doing virtual races, but they do them like every day and they put them in like standings and they'll just keep, you know basing the standings off of like your mile time and and what you can do and i think that's really cool especially for running because if you guys had like you know you bill beyond and i all in a league and we all did races every single week you know four or five races a week and then at the end of the week one of you got a shitty ass t-shirt that's a lot more fun (laughs) right because at least you earn that t-shirt compared to just running a 5k and getting it you know so i thought that was a really really cool idea especially on a bike you know because same i mean not the same community but definitely a community getting hit hard by covid that sounds wild yeah. except for my mile time would be like five miles in two minutes because i'd cheat like that sounds kind of crazy like fun though to put to put that to a like an app or something just to keep you like motivated but i would be able to see the like the detriment it would have towards your experience because you, get, you probably do runs around your neighborhood to train. And it's like the real excitement is, like you said, uh, Ethan, having people like cheering for you when you run by in that like one spot. And it gets you all hyped up and excited. Or like Phil said, running around seeing something new where you haven't been there before. And that's kind of what you're paying for. Because we all know a $700 t-shirt isn't, <laughs> isn't what's making you do this stuff. And all mm-hmm. those months of training and exercise isn't really kind of giving you that same enjoyment. 
Uh, I would, I, I was just thinking about that. And the other thing I wanted to bring up too is uh, Phil over here, Mr. I got a whole basket of medals. I mean, <laughs> he, that has, he nice slipped flex. them out for crossing the start line and the finish line. You don't have to go fast. <laughs> oh, okay. Just right. to you at the end. <laughs> I thought that was just a subtle flex. He's just like, yeah, you know, I got a whole basket of, of medals. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I, I come in like the top third of big races, but that's like still thousands and thousands from the front like it's that's something i've always felt was weird about any level of sports i remember in club swimming once i won a a heat a heat ribbon it wasn't a medal it was a heat ribbon uh because there was like an uneven number of people so i was the only one in the heat so i still got a ribbon (laughs) uh and it feels just as weird in a running race to like you know i could finish do my best time or i could fail miserably but as long as i get to the finish line they're gonna hand me a medal that feels kind of weird. Now, do you get different medals for being like the first place? Is there like a prize that you get for being the number one runner in a marathon, or is it just like I mean, national recognition? So, like, let's do like a small like like the Queen City race you did versus the Boston Marathon. Is there a, a prize support for those? The one that I did, probably not. Sometimes smaller races will get like uh, business sponsored prizes so like you know a local business will sponsor like a couple hundred dollars or maybe like a gift card or something like that um but it won't be like a big prize and do you guys know anything about like the boston marathon or like the larger marathons do you get anything for that you you do but i don't know how much it's a lot for yeah i think it's pretty substantial i mean some of the ones that i went to i mean these are like the top ath- like marathon athletes mm-hmm. in the world that are competing at these. Um, the guy, Iliud Kipoje, I probably butcher that pronunciation, but he broke the world record at one of the races that I was in. So I have that on my, uh, on my bucket list. I ran against him, even though he was like done by the time I started, but I still, uh-huh. you know, maybe if I had a better day, I could have been up there with him, but yeah, it is cool. I mean, for, you know, a general sports fan, like, you're probably not spending too much time like watching the Boston Marathon on TV, but you know me being a lunatic, like I they watch it on like mm-hmm. NBC Sports Network. Like they do televise it, and it is just kind of funny to me because you know I have a hard enough time as it is just finishing the race, and to just think of like all the strategies that are going into this for 26.2 miles, and you know oh do I you know speed out ahead of the pack or do I save my energy here and wait till later on like just all the gamesmanship and strategy that goes into it just adds a whole nother layer especially having been there at such a low level to see you know these people performing just at the absolute peak is definitely something fun to watch for me i know at the boilermaker in utica i think those guys the top three are splitting like 10 grand and I mean, that's not, that's not like a huge race, you know, but I mean, yeah. it's, definitely, it's definitely pretty big, you know? So, I mean, I would assume for something like Boston or New York city, you're probably getting paid maybe like, you know, maybe 10 grand, 20 grand. I don't know. I'm completely guessing. We could probably look up right now. I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking that yeah, or like, do you just we get could like... fact check it, but it's, it's enough that those people, it's like they're a large source of their income when they're like professionals. It's like they have the deal from like Nike or Adidas or whatever. But like, if they win one of those races, that's like, more than they were getting from sponsorship okay it makes sense i mean i i think that's probably like the hardest 
probably that would to me seem like the hardest thing to achieve but the easiest thing to maintain like if you're the best marathon runner i feel like there's not so many people challenging for the best marathon runner spot as like hmm. like an nba player or something like that i mean like maybe i could be incorrect but i don't hear a lot of people like just hey i'm training for a marathon and i want to be the best marathon runner but like you meet someone and they're like yeah i run marathons really fast like it's like there's a huge gap between like when you ask someone what sport they do, you're like, what sport do you do? Oh, I play basketball or, oh, I play football. You're like, okay, you're a football player. But then you're like, what sport do you do? And someone's like, I'm a marathon runner. You're like, oh, really? Like, it's just very rare that you hear someone run a marathon. So I was just thinking maybe it's easier. It's harder to gain the top spot, but easier to hold it because you're not really like going against a lot of competition. Could be wrong though. I don't know how many people hmm. in the world train for hyper – competitive marathon running you know i think it's interesting because like this is probably the only sport where like i said like some schmuck off the street like me is competing quote unquote against you know one of the best athletes of all time in the same race so it is funny how those lines are kind of blurred between the pros and the amateurs but i mean yeah those guys at the top are just otherworldly i mean if you do you know watch a clip or see them on tv like they make you know, a 530 pace, which I have to just bust my ass to do one time for one mile. Like they just glide along like they're not even running and it's pretty unreal to watch. So yeah, they just, you know, mind boggling <laughs> stuff that those guys are capable of. Yeah. It's, it's especially uh, like you were saying, the fact that you get to compete with those people, like that's not something you can do in football or basketball or baseball or something you know if like if you're like oh man i want to get out there and uh i'm gonna play football this year <laughs> uh you could probably join like in a you know a rec league or something but like you're not gonna get to play near the nfl people but the fact that like if we just sign up for the right race you know travel sometimes we have to qualify but like we get to run behind the people who set the world records in the same race uh, that really, I think that sets marathon running apart from like other distances because, and probably like half marathons too, but, uh, you can't get that at like any track distance or anything like that. Uh, I read something recently actually that only 1% of the population, uh, worldwide has run a marathon, which is, it sounds like not a lot, but like 1% of the whole population is a lot of people. But then when you think about like how many people, you know, at one point in their life, like played basketball or football or something. It's like, it's not a, it's not a very high number of people compared to other sports. Uh, but then when you look at like the rivalries that they'll have at the top level of how it's, you know, there'll be some people who are winning this race and that race, but they don't go to this race that's during the same season. And the other guy went to the same race in the spring and they set a similar time. And then people start speculating, like, what if they were running against each other, who would win? Uh, and it's like, if you look at the field as a whole, comparing it to like how many people worldwide play other sports, like, yeah, it's, you know, not that many people, but they'd still end up being like pretty competitive. And if you're, I wouldn't even call myself like an avid spectator of the sport, but I'm like, you know, I'm pretty interested. I, I'd spectate when I can. It's, it's pretty interesting how much they can like go against each other those people at the top and uh how how like speculative the the like 
experts in the field will be about like, you know, well, this guy's never raced that guy. And this time when they raced each other, that guy was sick for a week beforehand. And, you know, it's, it's still like, gets pretty interesting up there at the, uh, the top level. Yo, marathon races. Like, that's what I was speaking about. Like marathon races seem a specific set. That's so, so I guess I want to, I want to say like important, but it's so different than every other race. Like you said, like a track race, I can't just go run against like bull or somebody in a 100. <laughs> like, even though I have like a decent 100, you can't just do that. You can't just sign up one day and just go run on a track with a bunch of other people. And it doesn't matter if, if even if you qualified or something like it's, it's a specific thing. Like I don't get to go have fun on a vacation and like hang around just to go run a 100 or a 400. And it's like, Oh yeah, I ran a 400, you know, like <laughs> it was a great day. Like it, it doesn't have the same magnitude. That's what I was looking for. Like the magnitude of a marathon just sets it apart from like everything else. And it's, and like you said, it seems so rare sometimes. Like I hardly meet people who run marathons, but I talk to people who jog some miles or, you know, they sprint for their sport. They do, you know, 400 yard sprints or 40 yard stashes and stuff like that. And it's, it's really impressive. I, I love to hear about it. Like, I will say for me, like thinking back when I was in college, like, you know, my dad being a marathon runner, I mean, we would always travel and, you know, go with him. He, his goal was to um, do all 50 states, uh, marathon in each state. So I think he messed up his knee and I think he got to like 12 or something. But um, like it was always in the back of my mind, like I'm on the treadmill just bopping around for three or four miles. I'm like, Jesus, man, like my dad's out here crushing 26 miles. Like I am never going to do this. <laughs> and even when I started training for Boston, like, like I said, that, you know, voice of self-doubt in the back of my head, like I never really thought it was possible until I actually did it. And like I said, even afterwards, like it didn't seem feasible <laughs> still, you know, when I've continued to train and I've already done it. So yeah, it definitely, it seems like just a, you know, just a monstrous task, but I'm proof that, you know, I've never been a, you know, even in track, never been like a big distance runner, you know. We the whole thing in with us was like we would join track to you know get to talk to girls and stuff and like never actually took it seriously. But I think like for me, if I'm capable of doing a marathon, like I think anybody's capable of it. It's just a matter of you know wherever you're at and your you know training level. Like maybe some people might take a little bit longer, but I think I'm living proof that you know a marathon is you know not as difficult as it seems at the end of the day. What did you run in track? My best event was the 800. So, and that's really because I was just too lazy to do like the two mile or the one mile. Like I probably realistically like would have been way better at the 100 or, or uh, I'm sorry, the mile or the two mile. But I think the 800 was like the perfect length of like, all right, I guess I'll do this and it'll take up like two minutes of my life and I'm kind of okay at it versus, you know, spending 10 minutes and like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. <laughs> oh, did I, I, I think the same way about swimming. I think the the point that you made, Dion, about like how oh, I don't remember what word you used, but like how big it is. Like people don't don't travel to do races that yeah. are like much shorter than a marathon. Uh, but oh, I oh, the I word really, was magnitude. Always, the magnitude. That's <laughs> yeah. I uh, like when I first started running marathons. Uh, I I actually did triathlons before my first like marathon on its own. So I did the Ironman twice 
before I ran a marathon. And once I started doing them, I was like, oh, I should, I should use this as an excuse to travel. So every time I did it, I would go somewhere else. And I never did anyone outside of the country, but I've done them, you know, in some interesting places. Uh, but every time I'm like in the middle of a training season, I'm talking to people who don't run or even like people who run a little bit, but not marathons. They always say, I could never do that. And it really, it always just like, like, I don't want to say it frustrates me, but it just, it, it like gets, gets me to like a, a mental state where I'm like, ah, but like, I'm like disappointed. Cause I'm like, but you could, you totally could. You know, when I was uh, young, I was not fit. I'm not like extremely good at running, you know, in an absolute sense, if you compare like my times to like, you know, a lot of people, I'm not very good. But the idea of just like someone saying I couldn't do that in terms of like, at all, like not even saying like, oh, I couldn't run as fast as you, but like, I couldn't do it at all. It's like, yeah, you could. I mean, I couldn't. And, and then I did like, <laughs> it's just, you know, what can you do now? Okay, keep doing that. Do a little bit more. Eventually, you'll be able to do it. I definitely I felt that in my soul because I get that all the time too. <laughs> like I know I know the feeling where, you know, the people who say that, I just kind of think like like do you think I'm like LeBron James where I just, you know, woke up one day and I'm 6'7" 280 just through this freakish athlete? I mean, you know, I was like I said I was never, you know, this ultimate endurance athlete or anything like that. I mean, I just went to the gym all ton and you know like you said kept increasing the distance and ran a marathon like I, I think you know I think that's one of the biggest things I learned in in running the marathons is like like I said you know people are capable of much more than they're willing to give themselves credit for and you know I think if you just put your mind to it and if it's something that you're really you know passionate about if you have a reason why like for me obviously cancer and you know, my stepmom and even like my own personal battle with cancer. And, you know, I, I think back to, you know, I remember my dad telling me about, and I don't know if this was like a real story or just something mm -hmm. I kind of made up after the, after the fact to just kind of motivate me. But I, I seem to recall my dad, you know, talking about a guy that he worked with and he had cancer and, you know, he used to be a runner and, you know, he would do anything to go run one more time. And, like I probably, you know, as time went on, just kind of made that story up a little bit. <laughs> I don't really remember if it's true or not, but like, I always think of that because regardless of if it's true or not, like there is someone out there suffering from cancer and I'm sure they would love to, you know, have their kids cheer them on at a race one more time and, you know, be at the finish line when they finish a marathon. So, you know, all those days where I'm feeling like crap, I'm like, man, I just, I'm really not feeling this right now. Like, that's my motivating factor. And that's what drives me is just thinking back where, you know, I've been with cancer and my stepmom. And it's just like, I don't really have an excuse, you know, when I'm not feeling it and when I don't want to do it. So I think ultimately, you know, if people have that, you know, that motivating factor and that thing that drives them, like, I truly believe that anyone is capable of, you know, completing a marathon. Yeah, people who don't know you definitely did not know that you also had cancer at one point. Yeah, I, it's not totally something that I like to, you know, everybody look at me, you know, I, I kind of, you know, keep it on the down low. And, you know, it, obviously, it is a huge part of who I am. And 
Um, I believe it was my freshman year of college, which I'm kind of dating myself here, but almost a decade now. Um, a couple of weeks will be nine years from my diagnosis. So yeah, just, I mean, that's a huge part of who I am and definitely what drives me um, and what has kept me, you know, motivated and in the gym over the last um, last couple of years getting this done. You're a beast, man. Absolute savage. Yeah, don't sell yourself short, man. You are a freak athlete. You you are the LeBron James in your own mind, man. Don't that is true. Don't let the listeners think anything different. You know, for everyone, Ethan is a (laughs) Ethan's a savage. I think that that's a a good a good mindset to have about yourself. Like you can say, um, you know, you don't have to have personal experiences with all these things, but if you if you look at it and you're like. I don't have to run. I don't have to work out. I don't have to go to the gym. I get to because there's all these people out there, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it's people you've known or, you know, other points in your life, you know, picture, you know, if you're someone who, uh, you know, used to be into working out and like remember back when you used to go to the gym all the time, but then you got injured and you had to take time off and you hated it. But if you're not, if you're like able and you can and you get to and you get to work out, that's fantastic. Like it, like having that like switch of mindset of like, you know, it's not like I have to do this workout. You know, if I think about like in my day, it's like, you know, I have a run, you know, I'll phrase it like that just because it's like it's something I have in my day. But it's, you know, because it would sound weird if every every time I was talking about like, oh, I get to do a run of four miles today at three o'clock. Like, you know, it's. Uh, just not the way people phrase it often, but like having that in the back of your mind of like, I, I get to work out today. You know, I, I'm not the literal LeBron James, you know, in terms of running, <laughs> I'm not like five, five, 108 pounds. Uh, but you know, if I, if I see this today and I'm like, I get to work out today, and, you know, I push that for a week and then for a few months and then, you know, I, I, you know, maybe not like, I'm not talking about myself, but like, if you're listen to this out there and you like you get through that first thing you know maybe it's you know just running a couple miles or maybe it's a 5k or maybe you race your first marathon then you'll be telling that story to someone else and they'll think you're the lebron james they'll think you're the freak but like you just you know went out there and did it how do you actually train for it like what are the steps that you would take to make someone who believes that it's some freak athlete thing that they can take steps towards getting their feet wet, quote unquote, their feet on the pavement, their feet on a treadmill, wherever they need to go, what are some steps they need to take to become a marathon runner? So I would say something that like a quote from my dad when he was going through, you know, dealing with my stepmom's diagnosis and everything that was going on. um, A quote that I remember him saying is, how do you eat an elephant? just by one bite at a time. So I think that can be, you know, very applicable to, you know, at a high level, you know, being able to run 26 miles and like training and every day, like, you know, how do you do it? Like one mile at a time, one day at a time, but then just at a low level, like I think about this all the time, you know, if I'm running eight miles tomorrow, you know, I don't go hit the pavement and say, all right, eight miles, eight miles, eight miles. And that's all I'm thinking about the entire time. Like for me, it's always, you know, get to this next street light and how fast can I get there? And, 
you know, if I'm on the treadmill, I'll usually take it in, you know, little 0.5 miles or 0.05 miles. Like I try to take it in the smallest, you know, bite size that I can take. And that's usually what I find, you know, can get me through those tough workouts. But I think, you know, on a big picture, like you got to set realistic goals for yourself. Like, you know, if you're, if you haven't run in years and you're, you know, not in the best shape, like maybe doing a a full marathon in six months is not realistic for you. Maybe, you know, start with a 5k for a couple of weeks and kind of build up to it. But I think for everybody, you know, you just kind of got to be honest with yourself with where you're at and just build the foundation and kind of keep building on it every day. And I think the commitment and just sticking with it is the most important part. And like I said, it, it might take somebody, you know, five years to do it and it might take somebody five months. But I think at the end of the day, you just want to got to have that, you know, motivation to keep getting yourself out there and, and getting those workouts in. And it's it's doable. It's doable for everybody. I think that uh, conceptually, I agree with all of that. But since you covered a lot of the uh, like the abstracts of it, I'll get a little bit more specific in terms of like how I would. Like if someone told me, uh, I want to run a marathon, what should my training look like? Uh, there, I mean, of course, you know, it depends on where you're starting. And, you know, if you're the kind of person where it takes a longer time because you're not quite ready yet, it's going to look a little different. Uh, but the uh, general uh, prescription for running a marathon is you have to build up over time. So if you're ready to run it in a few months, you know, you could, you don't have to have any long runs in your weeks yet. And if it's going to be, you know, three to six months, you can start building up, you know, maybe you, uh, your weekend run goes from six to eight, one week, and then, you know, you don't have to raise any of the other runs of the week. You just bring that one up by a couple of miles each week. You keep it there, you know, uh, after like four weeks, you get to like 14 miles, maybe you stay there for a week or two to get used to it keep bringing it up, you know, when you're training for a marathon and it's like, this is the season of the marathon, you want to run somewhere near the distance, but probably not the whole distance. So if you can do 20, you can do 20. If you can only do 18 feasibly based on like your speed and preparation, then 18 is okay. Even 16 prepares you pretty well, depending on, you know, the mental factors, the mental factor and like the time of being out there is one of the most important things. But that concept pretty much applies to the whole, like training for any distance of running. It's like, you know, if you want to run a half marathon, you don't have to run 13 miles in training. You could, but you don't have to, you could run 10. And the idea of being on the road for that long, because you won't be going quite as quick and it gets your, uh, your joints and your, you know, your knees, your ankles, your feet prepared to be out there for so long. And one of the things with marathon running that's like particularly uh, like special to marathon running is that it's so very long. Uh, So if you're going to be out there for, you know, three or four hours, you got to practice being out there for three or four hours. There's a huge mental aspect to it. And being like prepared to be able to occupy yourself for that amount of time, being able to like handle your own thoughts for that amount of time. And then, you know, being able to like start a run uh, and like think like this is the beginning of the run and I have three hours ahead of me. You know, that's like getting into that like mental part of it 
is uh, something that's like integral to running a marathon. Uh, and there are a lot of free plans out there in terms of like, you know, what, what could your training look like? Uh, but like, essentially, you should be running a couple days a week, one of them should be long. And over the weeks approaching the marathon, it should get closer to the marathon distance. I agree with pretty much everything that was just said. Um, for me, really, I think the hardest part about it was, I mean, obviously the long runs, they suck and they're unpleasant. But I think for most people, you know, especially if you're, you know, you got a family or you, unlike me, like have a lot going on in your life, um, you know, carving out that time can be, a, you know, a huge, huge commitment. So I think that's something to think about too, where it's like, you know, usually for me, Monday to Friday is, you know, it ranges from maybe three to five early on uh, miles and like five to eight as you go on. But the Sunday runs are anywhere from like 14 to 20, 21 miles. So I think you really just need to be, you know, realistic about, you know, if this is something that you can fit into your schedule and, you know, that that three hour time slot on a Sunday can really, really crush a day. But, you know, as far as for me personally, I always like doing it on a treadmill. I mean, obviously being a big sports fan, like especially now Sundays football, like you can kill an entire game just mindlessly, you know, plodding away on the treadmill. So and even over the summer, I mean, I, I like to just watch golf, which sounds painful as running 20 miles on a treadmill, but I know there's something like kind of relaxing about it and just anything to kind of keep my mind off of, Oh my God, I have three more hours of this is definitely helpful. But you know, now that I've been running again outside, like I almost the first couple of marathons, like I didn't run outside at all. Like we were on a kind of busy highway with no uh, sidewalk or anything. So uh, there's not really a place where I felt comfortable running outside and I hated, you know, if I have three hours to run, I'm not going to go drive 20 minutes and now I got to tack on another 40 to an hour of this day. So yeah, I've just kind of started to see the benefits of running outside and, you know, like I said, just getting to that next stop sign and getting to, you know, that red light faster than the car or whatever, like to keep challenging you and pushing the pace is a lot easier than just setting the treadmill on, you know, seven miles an hour or whatever, and just mindlessly running away. So, yeah. Do you, prefer, uh, do you prefer the treadmill running now over um, outside? I think I like outside for the short ones and treadmill for the long runs just to, you know, have the TV, anything over like an hour, if I can watch a show or, you know, game, especially if there's, you know, basketball or something on, like anything that I can do to take my mind off of the, brutal couple hours in front of me is fine by me you guys raised a couple questions that i had uh based upon like training for marathons and things that i've always wondered how a, a marathon athlete would uh, handle this um like hydration nutrition and like i would say because you guys were talking about running outside how do you prepare your bodies for like the weather changes? Like some, like you're in a warmer climate, whereas Phil is in a colder climate and that has different effects on your body. Like wind resistance, like running into the cold, running with your back to the wind, like things like that can affect your, your training. Are those things that you guys take into account? Like, do you have to bring a specific water bottle with you? Is there something you drink specifically on your run? 
Um, I know they have like gel packets that people would take for extremely long runs, but is that something that you guys both uh, partake in and or think about before you guys go on your long slash short runs? Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, that's one of the reasons I do prefer the treadmill as well. Just being able to have a giant water bottle and be, you know, slurping that down the whole time definitely makes it a little bit easier. And, you know, as far as, you know, nutrition, I usually I'll, I'll take like an hour or two to digest before I really spend too much time running. So that kind of takes a huge chunk of the day out of the equation of, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, when can I squeeze this in? So that's definitely a consideration, but you know, my dad always tells me his superpower is being able to eat and then just go run, you know, 10 miles directly after. So I think it definitely varies from person to person, but you know, I have figured this out. I mean, it's been over the last three years, you know, kind of figured out what works and what doesn't. And, you know, I think, you know, maybe two hours after dinner, I'm just hit the road and, you know, get it done. Uh, I think it's really funny the like the differences between us because I I have done a lot of running on a treadmill, but I just don't like it. Uh, it to me, it's so much more mentally difficult because it's like I could stop and get off at any point, but when I'm running like out in the streets and I'm like <laughs> I'm running a loop mm. or like I'm out and back and I'm like I'm four miles from home, it's like I can't stop. I got to get home. Uh, and mm. when I'm on a treadmill, I think about that so much. I'm like. I could I could do five instead of six. That'd be okay. Uh, so that's why like mentally it's that much harder for me. Uh, but I have done some long runs on a treadmill and just watched. Uh, I think there was it was like in the the winter of last year. I was running on a treadmill and I watched that movie with the kid who turns into a superhero. Shazam, I think. Yeah, buddy. Uh, and I watched the entire thing. I just like I started it up on Netflix and it was playing and I just kept running the entire time. And it is nice. <laughs> To be able to just like have your like nutrition and water just sitting there the whole time. But uh, like you were saying, we like we do what works. And I do something uh, that not a lot of other runners do like for my longer runs, like anything that's longer than like an hour and a half, uh, you know, like a long run or like a hard workout. I'll just like take a water bottle and just carry it. Like people will buy these like specialty like wrap around the wrist, wrap around the arm, hydration packs. But I'm just like. I mean, I own water bottles. I'll just carry it the whole time. And like, I'll get used to like, you know, just running with a water bottle. Uh, and usually uh, I'll just like, I can't do it these days, but I used to just like run into like a gas station or a Dunkin' Donuts and just like fill the water bottle. Uh, and in the hot weather, because while I live in the cold weather now, I've lived in a lot warmer climates. I would bring, uh, sometimes I would bring, like tablets that turn water into a sports drink. Uh, there's one company that makes them. Uh, we're not sponsored, but if they want to, uh, it's called Noon, uh, and they're like they're like the size of a quarter. And I'll just wrap it in foil and put it in my pocket next to my like bars and goos and stuff. And it's uh, yeah, the the nutrition while running thing can be really frustrating. Like if you're going for a 20 mile run, I used to have pants or pants shorts that would have like side pockets and a back pocket and i would have like a goo on each side and a bar in the back and like i start running and it's like flapping up and down because of all the weight of the nutrition uh but personally like throughout the day kind of eat, eating and running uh i'm like somewhere in between like i can't eat a big meal and go running right away uh but i'm like 
fairly good at that. Uh, but usually, if I have like maybe an hour after like a normal meal, um, then I'm probably okay. Uh, and in terms of like nutrition and running, there's uh, like a, a rule of thumb in terms of uh, like when you're going for a long run, it's any, I think it's any run around or over 90 minutes. Uh, you take like one unit of nutrition every 45 minutes. Uh, so those gel packs you were talking about is like one, one like gel pack is like 100 calories. Uh, so how I think about that is like, okay, a hundred calories of gel pack is about the same as like half a cliff bar or, you know, think about like anything that's about a hundred calories. So, you know, you could do it with like other things. I've seen people like bring sandwiches and, you know, like whole food on runs, but, uh, <laughs> it's harder to like eat that stuff while running. Uh, and that's why they make those gel things. Cause like. You can kind of just like put it in your mouth and then kind of just swallow it, and it's okay. It doesn't like get pieces stuck stuck in your mouth. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm venturing into the the part of talking about running that gets gross, so I'm gonna. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, it's like I have to take a moment for this. But I I know that was like a big. That's something that I I always wanted to like bring up when it comes to like barriers to entry for our like listeners who we've already stated before. Um, you know, like you said, they think that you guys are like the LeBron James or freak athletes or they can never do it. And another barrier to entry would most likely be like how like me and Andrew talk about with like lifting weights. People think they gotta buy all this equipment, like, oh, I gotta buy a hydration pack. I need a specific water bottle that like attaches to my hand. Like there's things that you need for for this type of training. You know, you need some good running shoes, but you don't need to have the top of the top of the line, like elite running shoes. You don't need a water bottle or one of those fanny packs or a hydration backpack, or, you know, you don't need to spend infinite money on even goose. You know, you don't need to buy a box of goose. You can make food if you can eat that correctly. Or, you know, like you said, the, the tip of running into a gas station, which you probably can't do now, but you don't need to buy, you know, all these specific things. You can just work with what you have. So it's not unobtainable. You know what I mean? It's like, you can do it. It can be done. And I just knew nutrition was once again, marathon running being the way it is. It's so specific because you don't go to a track and run one hundreds and be like, all right, I got to make sure I have my goose with me or my, my full like energy bar or water bottle. It's like, no, you go train. Then you have your post-workout meal or your pre-workout meal, but you don't have to eat while you're training. And that's something that not a lot of people know about and it's it's a little bit different it shows the the craziness but the the awesomeness of a marathon runner you know i think the reality is like if you've got the nutrition thing figured out with the long runs like you're probably one of those elite runners that we talked about like at the very top sponsored by nike you got coaches and everything like the reality is it sucks like you know, running on the road, I don't like to run with a bunch of stuff, you know, bobbing up and down in my shorts or whatever. And if I'm on the treadmill, then it's almost like you get too reliant on having the water at all times. So you almost have to like police yourself if you really want to, you know, have a more realistic experience where it's like, all right, you know, on race day, I'm only going to have access to water every two miles. But it's like, oh my God, I'm dying of thirst and there's a water bottle right here. So 
you know, it's it's hard. It sucks. And that's really the bottom line for a lot of this is, you know, it's not fun and you kind of got to struggle through it. But at the end of the day, like you cross the finish line and it's going to be worth it. God, that's awesome. Like that was a whole, that's a whole nother concept too. like you said, the policing yourself or like regulating when your training conditions aren't exactly what they would be. And I feel like that transitions to like a lot of other sports, like same thing happens for you, Andrew, when you're trying to like train for your powerlifting meets, you know, like when you're at a specific gym or something where they have a piece of equipment that you're used to using, but then you go to like a planet fitness and now you have to be like, well, like this isn't how I would normally train, but now I have to regulate it to a specific like standard, you know? And like, it's a little, seems like it's a little bit more drastic with running because like you said, you don't have water on hand all the time. Some people don't, or you could, you have to understand how you got to kind of adjust your training to make it more realistic. I think that's a whole nother concept that's difficult for people to understand as well. No, I don't know if you guys were watching um, the Mike Tyson fight last week, but you know, he, he gave his interview before the fight and, you know, he said something that I kind of took to heart and I like to try my best to, you know, implement this, but you know, basically he was like, I live in the uncomfortable. Like I find comfort knowing that, you know, things are all out of whack and I can't, you know, figure out what's going on. And I, I think there's a lot of truth to that in anything. Like, you know, I can train my hardest. I can, you know, be in the best shape of my life. And guess what? Marathon day, it's 40 degrees and it's raining. Well, you know, I've been training this whole time and it's been 60 and beautiful. So I think there's something to be said for, you know, being prepared for, you know, everything in life is so, you know, uncertain where it's like, sometimes you got to force yourself out of that comfort zone and not everything is going to be perfect all the time. So, you know, you might as well prepare for it and kind of step out of that box and just be ready for, you know, anything that comes your way once race day rolls around. guys that was another episode of the fitness roundtable with andrew kmvarble.com phil youallstraining.com and dion at thegamerfitness.com the roundtable is more of a discussion than anything we hope you enjoyed leave a like and subscribe stay fit stay strong stay educated